Peter Pan by J. M. Berry Chapter 5 The Island Came True Feeling that Peter was on his way back, the Neverland had again woken into life. He ought to use the perfect and say wakened, but woke is better and always used by Peter. In his absence, things are usually quiet on the island. The fairies take an hour longer in the morning. The beasts attend the young to the young. The redskins feed heavily for six days and nights. And when parrots and lost boys meet, they merely bite their thumbs at each other. But with the coming of Peter, who hates love of G, they are underway again. It's put your ear to the ground now. You would hear the whole island seeming with life. On this evening, the chief forces of the island were disposed as follows. The lost boys were out looking for Peter. The pirates were looking out for the lost boys. The redskins were out looking for the pirates. The beasts were look, out looking for the redskins. They were all going round and round the island. They did not meet because all were going at the same rate. All wanted blood except the boys who liked as a rule tonight were out to greet their captain. Who all wanted blood except the boys who liked it as a rule, but tonight they not were out to greet their captain. Boys on the island vary, of course, in numbers according as they get killed, and so on. And when they seem to be growing up, which is against the rules, Peter thins them out. But at this time there were six of them, counting the twins as two. They don't pretend to lie there among the sugar cane, and watch them as they still buy a single fowl, each with his hand on his dagger. They are forbidden by Peter to look at least like him, and wear the skins of bears slain by themselves, in which they are so round and fairy, and when they they fall, they roll. They are therefore become very sure-footed. But the first to pass is to- Toodles, not the least brave, but the most unfortunate, of all the gallant band. He had been in fewer ventures than any of them, because the big things constantly happened just when he stepped around the corner. All would be quiet. He would take the opportunity of going off to gather a few sticks for firewood, and when he returned the others would be sweeping up the blood. This ill luck had given gentle melancholy of his countenance, but instead of souring his nature, had sweetened it. So that he was quite the humblest of boys. Poor kind Toodles. There is danger in the air for you tonight. Take care, lest an adventure is now offered you, which, if accepted, will plunge you the deepest woe. Toodles, the very weak tink, who is bent on mischief this, tonight, this night, is looking for t- at all for doing her mischief, and she thinks you are the most light, easily tricked of the boys. Where? Tinkerbell. What? That he could hear us. We are not really on the island. And he passes by, biting his knuckles. Next comes Nibs, the gay and debonair, followed by Slightly, who cuts whittles out of the trees and dances aesthetically to his own tunes. Slightly is the most conceited of the boys. He thinks he remembers a day before his loss, the manners and customs. This was given his nose an offensive tilt. Curling is the fourth. 
He is a pickle, a person who gets in pickles, pickles, predicaments, and so often has has he had to deliver up to his person. Well, Peter said sternly, Stand forth on the one who did this thing. That now at the command he stands forth automatically, whether he had done it or not. These come, last come the twins. Who cannot be described because we should be sure describing the wrong one. Peter never knew what twins were. His band were not allowed to know anything he did not know. So these two were always vague about themselves and did their best to give satisfaction by keeping close together in an unpolitic sort of way. Boys vanish in the gloom and after falls, but not a long pause, the things go briskly on the island. Came the pirates in their tra- on their track. We hear them before they're seen. And it's always the same dreadful song. A voice, a horse below ye, yee-ho, ho a purring we go. If we parted by a shot, we sure to meet below. A more villainous looking lot never hung in a row of execution dock. Here, a little in advance, ever and again, with his head to the ground listening, his great arms bare, pieces of eight in his ears as ornaments, as a handsome Italian CISO, who cut his name in letters of blood on the back of the governor of the prison of Gallo. That gigantic black behind him has had many names since he dropped the one which the dusky mothers still terrify their children the banks of Jalaho Mole. Here is Bill Jukes, every inch of him tattooed. The same Bill Jukes who got six dozen of warriors from Flint before he could drop the bag of monodols, Pogadine's gold pieces, and Cookson said to be Black Murphy's brother, but this was never proven. A gentleman Starkey, once an usher in a public school, and still daintly in his ways of killing, and Skylights, Morgan Skylights, an Irish bosom Smee, an elderly gentleman man who stamped, so to speak, without offence, was the only nonconformist in the Hawk's crew, a noddler, whose hands were fixed on backwards and robbed millions, an Alpha Mason, and many other, and many another ruffian, long known and feared on the Spanish main, the midst of them, the blackest and largest in the dark setting, reclined James Hook, or, as he wrote himself, Jazz Hook, of whom it is said he was the only man that Sea Cook feared. He lay at his ease, a rough chariot drawn and propelled by his men. Instead of a right hand, he had an iron hook, on which ever anon he encouraged them to increase their pace. As the dogs, this terrified man treated and addressed them as dogs they obeyed him. In person, he was carvedivious, dead looking, and black and black faces. His hair was long and black, long curls, which at a little distance looked like black candles, and gave a singularly threatening expression of his handsome countenance. His eyes were blue of the forget me not, and a profound melancholy, save that he was plunging his hook into you, at which time two red spots appeared in them and lit them up horribly and the man is something of a grand sing- singular who hung clung to him so they ever ripped you up 
over there. there. I have been told he was a raconteur, storyteller of Rupert. He had never more censor than he was more polite, which is probably the truest phrase test of breeding, the elegance of his dictation, even when he was swearing. Not less than the distinction of his demeanour showed him one of a different cast from his crew, a man of redoubtable courage. It said that a new thing he shied was the sight of his own blood, which was thick and unusual colour. In dress, he somewhat ate the attire associated with the name of Charles II. Having heard it said in some earlier period of his career, he bore a strange resemblance to the ill-fated Stuarts. His mouth had a hold on his own conveyance, which enabled him to smoke two cigars at once. For undoubtedly, the grimmest part of him was his iron claw. Let us know. now kill a pirate to show Hook's method. Skylights would do it. As they passed, Skylights lurched scumbly against him, ruffling his slate collar. Hook's suits forth. There is a tearing sound and one screech. The bodies kicked aside and the pirates pass on. He was not even taken cigarettes from his mouth. Such is a terrible man against whom Peter Pan depicted. Which will win? On the trail of pirates stealing noiselessly down the warpath, which is not visible to the inexperienced eyes, came the redskins, every one of them, with his eyes peeled. They carry tomahawks and knives, and their naked bodies gleam with paint and oil. Strung across them are sculpts of boys as well as pirates, for these are the Pikiniki tribe, and not to be confused with the soft-hearted Delawares or Hotons. In a van, all fours, and all fours is a great big little panther, a brave so many sculpts in present position that he somewhat impede his progress. Bringing up the rear, the place of greatest danger, comes Tiger Lily, perfectly erect, a princess in her own right. She is the most beautiful of the dusky Diana's, Diana, goddess of the woods, a belle of the Picardies, coquettish, flirting, cold and amorous, loving. Yet by ways there is not a brave who would have not have a wayward thing to light or wife. But she stays off the altar with a hatchet. Observe how they pass over fallen twigs without making the slightest noise. The only sound to be heard is their somewhat heavy breathing. In fact, is that they're all a little fat just now after heavy gorging. But in time, they work at this off. For the moment, however, it constitutes their chief danger. The redskins disappear as they had come like shadows, and soon they pl- their, their place taken by the beasts, a great and motley possession, lions, tigers, bears, and an innumerable smaller savage things that flee all them for every kind of beast, and more particularly all the man-eaters, live cheek by jowl on the favoured island. Their tongues are hanged out, they are hungry tonight. They, when they, they are passed, comes the last figure of all. A gigantic crocodile. We shall see for whom she is looking presently. The crocodile passes, but soon the boys appear again. Procession must continue indefinitely till one of the party stops or changes its pace. Then quickly will they be on top of each other. All are keeping a sharp lookout in front. 
for none suspects that the danger may be creeping up from behind. This shows how real the island was. The first to fall out in the moving circle were the, was the boys. They flung themselves down on the swaying turf, close to their underground home. Oh, I do wish Peter would come back, every one of them said nervously. Through in height, I still came in breath. They were all larger than the, than the captain. I'm the only one who's af- not afraid of pirates, slightly said, in a tone of offended. His being a general favourite. Perhaps some distant sound disturbed him, for he added hastily, well, I do wish he would come back. I tell us where he, he heard anything about Cinderella. He talked to Cinderella, and Tortoise had confirmed his mother must have been very much like her. It was only in Peter's absence they could speak of mothers, such had been forbidden by him was silly. All you remember about my mother lives, told him. Is she often said to my father, Oh, I wish I had a checkbook of my own. I don't know what a checkbook is, but I should just love to give my mother one. While they talked, they heard a distant sound. You and I, not being wild things of the woods, would have heard nothing, but they heard it. It was a grim song. Yo ho ho, a porous life, a fag or a skull and bones, a merry arrow, a hepton rope. And hey for David Jones. At once the lost boys. But where are they? They are no longer there. Rabbits could not have disappeared more quickly. I'll tell you where they are. With its exception and nibs who darted away to reconnoitre. Look around. They are already in their home. Underground, a very delightful residence, which we will see a great deal presently. But how have they reached it? For there is no entrance to be seen, no such, not so much lost stone, which if rolled away would disclose the mouth of the cave. Look closely, ever you will see. Me, note there we are. Here, seven large trees, each with a hole, its hollow trunk as large as a boy. There are seven entrances to the hole underground for which hook been searching in vain for many moons. Will he find it tonight? As the pirates advance, the quick eye of Starkey slighted, and he's disappearing for the wood. And once his pistol flashed out, my iron claw gripped his shoulder. Captain, let's go! he cried, withering. Now, for the first time, we hear the voice of Hook. It was a blackened voice. Put down the pistol first, it said frettingly. It was one of the boys you ate. I could have shot him dead. Aye, the sound would have brought Tyler Lily's redskin to Paris. Do you want us to lose your, lose your scalp? Shall I come Shall I after him, Captain? Asked Pathetic Smee, said, and tickled one of him with a Johnny Cultro. Smee, a pleasant name for everything. Cutlass was Johnny Cultro. Johnny Cultro. Because it, he waggled it in the wound. One one could mention many lovable traits in me. For instance, after killing his spectacles, he wiped instead of his weapon. Johnny's a silent fellow, he remarked, reminded Cook. No, not now, me, Cook said darkly. It's only me. I want some mischief for all the seven. Scatter and look for them. 
pirates disappeared among the trees. In a moment, the captain and Smee were alone. Hook sighed a heavy sigh. You would a heavy sigh. I did not know why it was. Why it was? Perhaps it because of the soft beauty of the evening. But there, was, there came over him a desire to provide you faithful bosom the story of life. He spoke long and aimlessly. But what it was about? It was all about Smee, who was rather stupid, did not know in the least. Least, and on later, we caught the word. We caught the word, Peter. Most of all, Hawk said passionately, I want near Captain Peter Pan. It was he who cut my hair off my arm. You banished Hawk threateningly. I waited long to shake his hand. This, oh, I tear him. And yet, says me, I have often heard you say that Hook was worth a score of hands for coming here. Another holy uses. I, Captain answered, if I was a mother, I would pray for a chum born with this instead of that. He cast a look of pride upon his iron hand, and one of scorn upon the other. Then again he frowned. Peter flung my arm, he said, went into a crocodile. What happened to be passing by? I have often said to me, notice you strange dread of crocodiles. Not other crocodiles, Hook corrected him, but of that one crocodile. He lowered his voice. If I laid my arms so much, me, that has followed me ever since, from sea to sea, from land to land, licking his lips, the rest of me. In a way, says me, it's a sort of compliment. I want no such compliments, but bark permanently. Fortunately, I want Peter Pan, who, came, who first gave the brute his taste of me. He sat down on a large mushroom, and there, now there was a quiver in his voice. To me, he said smugly, huskily, that crocodile would have had me before all this. But by lucky chance, it's one o'clock. I was tick, tick inside, and so before he could reach me, I hear a tick and bolt. He laughed in a hollow way. Some day, says me, the clock will run out. They'll get you. Hook wetted your dry lips. Oi, he said, that's a fear that haunts me. Since sitting down, he felt curiously warm. It's me, he said. This seat is hot. He jumped up. Odd bodmins, hammers and tongs. I'm burning. Then they examined the hat he- mushroom, which is a sign of solidly unknown on the man- mainland. They tried to pull it up. They came away at once to their hands, for it had no root. Stranger still, smoke began. At once to send, the pirates looked at each other. The chimney, they both exclaimed. They indeed discovered the chimney of the home on the ground. It was custom the boys to stop it with a mushroom when the enemies were in the neighborhood. But only smoke, not only smoke came out of it. They also came children's voices for. So safe did the boys feel. Their hiding place, they were gaily chattering. Pirates listened grimly, and then replaced the mushrooms. They looked down around them. They looked around them and noted the holes in seven trees. Did you hear them say Peter Pan's from home? From home? Smee whispered, visiting with Johnny Corkscrew. Hope nodded. He stood for a long time, lost in thought at last, in curling smile, lit up his swaying face. Smee had been waiting for it. Up! Grip your plan, Captain, he replied, he cried regally. To return to the ship, Hook replied, slowly through his teeth, and cook a large, rich cake of a jolly thickness with green sugar on it. There'll be 
there can be but one room below, for there is not but a chimney, one chimney. The silly moles had not the sense to see. They did not need a door piece. That shows there, no, there they have no mother. We'll leave the cake on the shore, the Merlin's Merlin. These boys are always swimming about their plain boatways. They'll find the cake and they'll gobble it up, because they have no mother. They don't know how dangerous it is to eat rich damn cake. He bursts from laughter, but not hollow laughter. Now, but honest laughter. Aye, they will die. Me listen with glowing admiration. It's the wickedest, prettiest policy I ever heard of. He cried in exhaustion. He danced and sung. A horse below ride when I appear. Why fear they were over, they were overtook. Not you left upon your bones when you have shaken claws hook. Again the verse. But they never finished it, for another sound broke and stilled them. There was at first such a tiny sound of relief. Must have fallen on it and smothered it. But it came nearer. It was more distinct. Tick, tick, tick. Hook stood shuddering, one foot in the round. The crocodile, he gasped, and bounded away, followed by the boatswain. He was indeed a crocodile. He passed the redskins. Who now the trail the other parts? It oozed on after Hook. Once more the boys emerged in the open, but the dangers of the night were not over. Let over, for presently Nobs rushed breathlessly into the mist, pursued by a pack of wolves. The tongues of pursuers, pursuers were hanging out, and the baying of them was horrible. Save me, save me! Cried Nibs, falling on the ground. But what can we do? What can we do? It's high compliment to Peter that. At that, and at that dire moment, their thoughts turned to him. What would Peter do? They cried simultaneously. Almost the same breath, they cried. Peter would look at him through his legs, and then let us know. No, let us do what Peter would do. It's quite the most successful way of defining wolves. And at one, at one point, they bent and looked through their legs. Next moment is one, is a long one. The victory came quickly, for the boys advanced upon. In a terrible attitude, the wolves dropped their tails and fled. Now Nibs rose from the ground, and the others thought that his staring eyes still saw the wolves. But it was not the wolves he saw. Oh, he seen a wonderful thing, he cried as they gathered around him immediately. A great word bird it is flying its way. What kind of bird did you do you think? I don't know, Nibs said, all struck. But it looks so weary. It flies, it, it, as it flies... It moans, poor Wendy, poor Wendy. Oh, I remember, said slightly instantly. There are birds called Wendy's. See, it comes, cried Curly, pointing to Wendy in the heavens. Wendy was almost, almost over ahead, and they could hear a pounded cry. But more distance came a shrill voice to think about. The generous fairy, who now cast off all disguise of friendship, darting at her victim from every direction, pinching savagely each time she touched. Oh, take cried the wonderful wondering boys. Tinkers, Tink's reply rung out. Peter wants you to shoot the Wendy. Is that not in the nature of the question when Peter Alden? Let us down to, let us do what Peter wishes, said those simple boys. Quick, bows and arrows. But all but Tootles popped down to the, down the trees. He had a bow, a bow and arrow with him. And Tink noted it and rubbed her little hands. Quick, Tootles, quick! She screamed. Peter will be so pleased. Tootles slightly filled, fitted the arrow to his bow. Out of the way, Tink! He shouted. 
and then he fired, and when he fluttered to the ground with an arrow in her breast. Chapter 6 The Little House Foolish Tuttles was standing like a conqueror over Wendy's body, but the other boys sprang on from their trees. You are too late, he cried proudly. I have shot the Wendy. Peter will be so pleased with me. Overhead, Tinkerbell shouted, Silly arse, and darted in hiding. The others did not hear her. They were crowded round Wendy. As they looked, the terrible silence found upon the wood. If Wendy's heart had been beating, they would have all have heard it. Slightly was the first to speak. This is no bird, he said in a scared voice. I think this must be a lady. A lady, said Tuttle, fell a trembling. We have killed her, Nibs, said Osley. They all whipped off their caps. Now I see, Curly said. He was bringing her to us. He threw himself sorrowfully on the ground. A lady to take care of us at last, said one of the twins. And you have killed her. They were sorry for him, were sorry for themselves. And when he took up and stepped nearer, they turned from him. Toto's face was very white, but there was a dignity about him now, and he'd never been there before. I did it, he said, reflecting. When ladies used to come into me in dreams, I said, Pretty mother, pretty mother. And when at last you really came, I shot her. You moved away, moved slightly away. Don't go, they cried in pity. I must, he answered, shaking. I am so afraid of Peter. It was at this tragic moment that they heard a sound which they made the, the heart of every one of them rise to his mouth. They heard Peter crow. Peter, they cried, for it was always thus that he signalled his return. Hide her, they whispered, and gathered hastily round Wendy, but to do sort of look. Aloof. Then again came the ringing crow, and Peter dropped in front of them. Greeting, boys, he said. Mechanically, they saluted, and then again there was silence. You found I'm back, he said hotly. What? Would you why not do your cheer? They opened their mouths, but the cheers will not come it will not come. He overlooked it as a haste to tell the glorious tidings. Good news, boys, he cried. I've brought at least a mo- last a mother for you. Similar sound set the little fuzz and toodles as he dropped to his knees. Have you not seen her? asked Peter. The coming trouble. She flew this way. Oh me, one voice said, and among the others said, Oh, mournful day, but Toodles rose. Peter, he said quietly, I will show her, show her to you. When the others would like, still would still have hidden her, he said, Back, twins, let Peter see. And they all shot back, stood back, he let him see. And after he looked at like up for a little time, he did not know what to do next. She is dead, he said ungodly. Perhaps she is frightened of being dead. He thought of hopping off the comic sort of way till he was sort out of sight of her, when coming then never coming back near the spot any more. What they would they would all have been glad to follow it. Had he done this? But there was the arrow. He looked it looked took it from her heart and face faced his band. Ooh's arrow, he said, demanding sternly. Mine, Peter, said Toodles on his knees. Ah, dusted hand said Peter said he raised up arrow to use it as a dagger. Peter didn't flinch, he bared his breast. Strike Peter, he said firmly. Strike true Twice did Peter raise the arrow, and twice did his hand fall. I cannot strike, he said with all. There is something stays in my hand. They all looked at him in wonder, save Nibs, who virtually looked at Wendy. 
It is she, he cried, the lady, this lady. See her arm, wonderfully, to relate the tale. Wendy raised her arm, Neves bent over her, and listened reverently. I think she, she said, poor Tudors, he whispered. She lives, Peter said briefly. Slightly cried instantly, the Wendy lady lives. Then Peter knelt beside her and found his button. You remember, she had put it in the chain which she wore round her neck. See, he said, the arrow struck against this. It is that kiss I gave you. It has saved her life. I remember kisses, slightly imposed quietly. quietly. Let me see it again. Ah, oh, that's a kiss. Peter did not hear him. He was begging Wendy to get better quickly, so that he could show her the mermaids. Of course, she could not answer yet, being still in a frightful faint. But from overhead came a whirly note. Listen to think, said Curly. She's crying because of when he lives. Well, then they had to tell Peter of Tink's crime. And almost never had he seen him look so stern. Listen, Tinkerbell, he cried. I'm an old friend, no more. Be gone from me forever. She flew not onto his shoulder and pleaded. We brushed her off. Not so when he again raised her arm that he was lent significantly to say, Well, not forever, but for a week, whole week. Do you think when when Tinkerbell was indeed grateful for Wendy? Raising her arm, oh dear, no. Never wanted to pinch her so much. Praise the deed, oh strange. And Peter, when well, instead of both, often chuffed, slapped them. But what to do, Wendy, in her present delicate state of health? Let us carry her down to, into the house, Curly suggested. Oh, he says slightly. That is what one does with the ladies. Oh, no, Peter said. You must not touch her. It would be not significantly, would not be significantly respectful. That, said politely, is what I was thinking. If she lives here, Tuttle said, she'll die. Oh, she'll die, slightly admitted. There is no way out. Yes, there is, cried Peter. Let us build a little house around her. They were all delighted. Quickly ordered them. Bring me each of your best of what you have. Get your house, be sharp. In a moment, there was busy tailors. The night before wedding, they scurried this way and that, down for bedding, up for firewood, and while they were at it, who would, should appear but John and Michael? As they dragged along the ground, they fell asleep, standing, stood, stopped, woke up, moved another step, and slept again. John, John, Michael, said Michael, crying, wake up, wake up, where is Nana, John and my mother? When John would, would, would rub his eyes and mutter, it's true, we did fly. You sure, may be sure they were very, were very relieved to find Peter. Hello, Peter, he said. Hello, replied Peter and Matalini. Oh, he had quite forgotten them. He was very busy at the moment, measuring Wendy with his feet to see how large a house she would need. Of course, he meant to leave room for chairs and table. John and Michael watched him. Is Wendy asleep, they asked. Yes, John, Michael proposed. Let us wake her and get her out to make some of us. But as he said it, some of the other boys rushed on carrying branches for the building to the, on the building. Look at them, he cried. Curly, he said Peter, in his one most captivity voice. See that what those other boys help in the building the house? Aye, aye, sir. Building the house, exclaimed John. For the Wendy, said Curly. For the Wendy, John said. A gasp, why is she only, she's only a girl. What, explained Curly, is why we are servants. 
You and his servants? Yes, said Floyd, said Peter. And also, and you also. Away with them. The standing brothers are dragged away to hack and hoo and carry chairs and defender fireplace first. Peter ordered. Well, we shall build a house around them. I said, slightly. That is how our house is built. It's all comes back to me. Peter thought of everything. Slightly, he cried. Fetch a doctor. I always said slightly at once and disappeared, scratching his head. But he knew Peter must be obeyed and returned in a moment, wearing John's hat and looking solemn. Please, sir, said Peter, going to him. Are you a doctor? The difference between him and the mate of the boys at such a time was that they knew. It was make-believe, well, to him make-believe and true, exactly the same thing. This sometimes troubled them, as they, as when they had no make-believe, that they had, they, well, when they had to make-believe, they had their dinners. If they broke down to, in their make-believe, he'd rap them on the knuckle. Yes, my little man, slightly anxiously replied, who had chapped his knuckles. Please, sir, Peter explained. A lady lives very, a lady lives, lies very ill. She's lying at their feet, but slightly, the sense not to see her. Tut, 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 he said. Where does she lie? In yonder glade. We, I, I will put a glass thing in her mouth, said slightly. And he made, make the blue, blue to do it. Oh, Peter waited. It was an anxious moment when the glass thing was withdrawn. How is she? asked Peter. Tut, 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 said slightly. This has cured it. I'm glad, Peter cried. I'll call out again in the evening, slightly said. Give her a beef tea out of a cup with a spout on it. But after he returned to the hat to John, he blew big breaths while he had habit of escaping from the difficulty. In the morning, while the act would be alive with the sound of axes, almost in, in everything needed for a cosy dwelling, already laid and went his feet. If only he knew, if we knew, said one, the kind of house he liked better. Peter shout, shouted another. She's moving into her sleep. Her mouth, mouth opens, cried her at first, looking respectfully into it. Oh, lovely. Perhaps she's going to sing. In a sleep, said Peter. When you sing, the kind of house you like to have, immediately without pet up in your eyes, when you began to sing. I wish I had a pretty house of a little set of fancy. With funny little red walls, a roof of musty green. They go with joy at this, for as great as good luck, branches they brought with sticky red sap. They all around was covered in moss. They rattled up the, the little house, they broke the swords themselves. They were building a little hills, a roof, and maybe a. We built the little. Walls and roof and made a little door of door. Tell you another, Wendy. Wendy, what are you looking, wanting any more? This you replied greedily. Oh, really, next I think I have. Big windows all about. Roses peeping in the road. Peeping in, you know. The babies peeping out. With a blow to their fists. They made windows and large yellow leaves of blinds. But roses? Roses? cried Peter sternly. Quickly he made believe to list grow the loveliest roses up the wall. Babies! To prevent Peter ordering babies. They hurried into song again. We made the roses peeping out. The babies at the door. 
we cannot make ourselves we cannot make them ourselves you see you know because we are being made before Peter seeing this to be a good idea once pretended that it was his own the house is quite beautiful and no doubt Wendy was very cosy within though of course we no longer see her Peter strode up and down ordering finishing touches nothing escaped his eagle eyes then when it seemed absolutely finished there's no knock or two on the door he said they were very ashamed but Tootles gave the soul of his soul shoe and it made an excellent knocker absolutely finished now they thought not a bit of it there's no chimney said peter said we must have a chimney it certainly does not need it certainly does not need a chimney said peter boldly this gave peter an idea he stacked the hat of george Jones hat kicked off the bottom top and put the hat on the roof the little house are pleased to have such a capital chimney that if you say thank you smoke immediately began to come out of the hat now really truly it was furnished nothing remained to do but not Oh, look all your be- look all your best, Peter Morden. First impressions are awfully important. He was glad, glad no one asked him about first impressions. Are they were very all oh, too busy looking their best. He were not politely, and how now the wood was still, and the children not to what sound of the herd, except from Tinkerbell, who was watching from a branch and opening sneeringly. What the boys were wondering was, would you like one answer to that? Would you like anyone uh, would not answer than that? Not what the boys were wondering was, would anyone answer the not? If a lady, what would she be like? The door opened, the lady came out. It's Wendy. They all whipped off their hats. Hats. She looked properly surprised, and this was not. This is just how they hoped she would look. Uh, there am I, she said. Of course, slightly was first to get his word in. Wendy lady replies happily. For you, we built this house. Oh, say, you're pleased, cried Nibs. Lovely, darling house, Wendy said. And they were the very words I've been hoped she would could say. And we are, and we are your children, cried the twins. We all went on their knees and holding out their hands cried oh wendy lady be our mother all the time mother wendy said all oh, shiny of course it's frightfully fascinating but you see i'm only a little girl i have no real experience that doesn't matter said peter as if it were the only person present who knew all about it though he was really the only one who knew less what we need is just a nice lovely person oh dear wendy said so you see i feel this is exactly what i am it is it is but they all cried. We saw it at once. Very well, she said. I'll go and do my best. Come inside at once. You naughty children, I'm sure your feet are damp. And before I get put you to bed, I have just time to finish the story of Cinderella. In they went. I don't know how there's room for them, but you can squeeze very tight in the Neverland. That was the first of many joyous evenings as they had with Wendy. By and by, she tucked them up in a great bed in their home under the tree, but she herself slept that night in the little house, and Peter kept watch outside the dawn sword, for the pirates could be heard. Curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-curr-
The little house looked so cosy and safe in the darkness, a bright light shining through her blinds, the chimney soaking gratefully, and Peter standing on guard. After a time he fell asleep, and some unsteady fairies had climbed over, over him. They waved home for the orgy. Many of them uh, of the other boys are scur- scurrying part, very part of the night. They would have been mischiefed, but they just tweaked, tweaked Peter's nose and passed on.